You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. backs nice work paul tim are we set to make the jump yep the end of the prime in accordance with the rendezvous are set all right strap in and let's get this intel delivered to the resistance punch it you're listening to star wars the saga continues your hosts kyle avery tim Jurassi, and paul herman are scouring the holonet for news and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed, so we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Welcome to The Saga Continues. We're on episode 169, which... uh... Tim just uh, totally told me that Kyle doesn't even say the episode numbers at the, at the beginning. So, but anyway, I'm going to host <laughs> we're, this we're episode. We're changing things, right? <laughs> yeah, it's a whole different thing. Like Kyle has his way and and it, it should be 95% his way when he's, you know, when for this series anyway, or this podcast, but Kyle <laughs> has allowed us, right? <laughs> Kyle has allowed us to do a special uh, or not a special, but special because we're hoping to do more than just one of these uh, episodes in the future covering Star Wars comics. Because uh, if you don't really listen to the show or if you by chance just started listening recently, if you have, welcome. Thank you for listening. Yes. But yeah, if you haven't, uh, Tim and I are, are very, very, very good friends and we share a very deep love for comic books in general. Uh, Tim is really into Batman and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and those comic book series and DC and all that stuff. He also loves Marvel comics as well, but uh, that's his kind of main passions outside of Star Wars for comic books and things like that. And for me, it's pretty much Spider-Man, Marvel comics, and, and, and you know, I, we both just love the medium. And so when Star Wars is in comic book form, me and Tim are probably going to read it or read most of it. I know, Tim, you're kind of behind on a few things, but usually catch up on Marvel Limited, right? Yeah, especially now, as we talked about before, how the gap between new release issues is only going to be three months. I mean, that's just it's going to fly by, really. (laughs) And just yeah, it really is. You just have to be patient for a little bit. And sometimes you just fall behind in general. So sometimes it just works out where when you want to catch up, that issue's going to be available in Marvel Unlimited mm-hmm. now because it's just that three-month gap period now. So it's going to be a lot easier to stay, kind of stay current. Yeah, and I, I have to wonder too, Tim, that if it's maybe even a trial to see what it does, does it perk up interest kind of a thing? Like, Because I think this is, I think right now, DC and Marvel and, and all these things with, because I, I definitely know, and because and I, I study the market, If you, again, if you don't know our show very well, I'm a big advocate of comic books, and I love the medium to death. And Hashtag read more comics. Yeah, hashtag read more <laughs> comics. I have a podcast called The Comic Binge Podcast with my good friend Chris, and we just we cover comics and different comic series, and, and yeah, the hashtag comes from, actually, Chris. He, he's the one that kind of created it, and I, I took it and, and turned it into a hashtag, which is all i can really take credit for but uh but anyway but yeah 
I love the comic medium and I can tell you right now, the comic book medium is actually not doing bad. It's doing very well. The difference is it's not doing, it's doing great in the trade and, and graphic novel format, not necessarily in the monthly format. The monthly format has been kind of just kind of hit and miss. I think it, that one's a little harder to get a, a beat on because obviously these, these monthly formats turn into graphic novels, which then turn into a, a decent profit for, for comic books and things like that. But you get what I'm trying to say here. It's kind of hard to tell. And right now with DC you know, unlimited or whatever it's called now, or, or DC infinite, whatever it's going to be called eventually in Marvel Unlimited, they're kind of testing the waters. I think a little bit of what exactly is the future, like for monthly format, what does that mean? Digitally, do we, you know, cause a lot of different things are going out digital first and then, then to trade, it's it's just kind of it's all over the place right now, and so I gotta wonder, Tim, if if the three or is it, is it four or three months? I thought it was four months. No, it's three months. It's three months. Wow. So if it's three months, you got to think that they're gonna look and see what that means for you know subscriptions. Do people do more people subscribe at that point, and do the monthly format still drop off? It's it's gonna be interesting what that means because with the COVID. To be honest, I think comic books are probably, I think, for again, what I've heard and what I've researched a little, and I'm not like sitting here every day researching, but the little I've, I've seen and, and the research that I've kind of gone into, it seems like comic books have gone, have, have stayed steady and actually have increased a little bit through the pandemic. So you got to wonder if this is a test to see if maybe comic books are kind of, you know, perked up a little bit. You know, I don't know. I'm kind of curious your take on that before we kind of get into our main topics here. Yeah. I was because if you remember when we were recorded uh, a plug for my Batman podcast here, Batman's, <laughs> where we were talking about the potential future of DC Universe and how it was going to be just an all digital comic platform now. How if they would have something where it would be a different tier structure where you would be able to have a subscription and get your comics like new issues six months, three months, or even day as print. And when that new DC Universe infinite was announced it was still the same where it's gonna be six months and part of me wondered if marvel kind of saw that and said hey we could see how dc is obviously the biggest competition to kind of beat them at that game where they just lessen their waiting period for new issues where it is just three months and if that's successful maybe they will go that route Mm -hmm. to have different tiers and subscriptions where you can get it digital issues same day as print as part of your subscription. And I'm wondering if it's a testing ground for that, because as you and me talked about on that episode, we'd be all for that. I mean, yeah, if we talked about different price ranges, but I think there's an amount where that could be really worth it to have a more expensive tier and get those day day issues, day in and day Mm -hmm. issues of print and digital would just be so convenient. (laughs) And I think this is the kind of the first step towards that as we're seeing that gap between print and digital uh, for these subscription-based comic services lessen and lessen. And I think eventually we're going to get to that point. But when I first heard that Marvel was doing that, I got excited and then just kind of took it out. This is their way with competing with the DC Universe app now because the DC Universe app is cheaper than Marvel Unlimited. But when they're both at six months, it's kind of, it makes DC look like the better service because you're paying less. But with Marvel now being just three months um, and, I think it's safe to say, I don't know for sure, that they have probably a, a more expansive catalog than DC does right now, just because oh, Marvel Unlimited has sure. been around mm-hmm. a lot longer. Mm-hmm. So it just kind of makes that 99 value seem just as good as DC when you factor in more titles and the lesser yeah. wait period for new issues. So yeah. I just think it's just the beginning of things to 
come yeah. hopefully for digital subscription comic services to where um, we get to that point where if you have a subscription at a higher tier price, you can get new comics the day they're released as print. Yeah. I would be super excited for that. You know, and I don't want to get too in deep in the weeds about comic books, at least the business side. And, and I won't. And I'll, I'm, re, I'm going to refer, ref, uh, refrain and really keep myself um, disciplined not to go too deep into it because there's this is a whole different podcast to go into. And we went in, oh, heavy with your Batman podcast, which was a lot of fun, by the way. And which, by the way, we, we need to do a Three Jokers show. Yes, okay. we do. <laughs> yes, we do. Um, because amazing. I think, yeah, because I think my my opinion of the future, of poten- the potential future of comic books, and I've talked a little bit on the Binge podcast. Um, we haven't put the episode out, but we do a review of the third issue of Three Jokers. And I go a little bit into what I, my opinion of maybe the future of comic books could be um, through Three Jokers, to be quite honest. So little tease for that. But yeah, there's there's a lot going on, and I think the future is kind of a, a combination of digital and physical, and and we'll leave it at there. But for so if you're kind of one of those people that has been on the outskirts and is of comic books, and you're and you love Star Wars, and you're listening to this podcast, and you hear people talk about the comics, and you're like, I don't, you know, I don't know if they're really worth it. And Marvel Unlimited is probably Unlimited is probably your best option to just dive into star wars comics because they have a ginormous back catalog of star wars comics of canon obviously that we just said up to three months and now if you want to go back and read all the dark horse issues or i won't say all the dark horse issues i'll get in that in a second but a good chunk if not majority of the dark horse comics are on marvel unlimited so if you want to read that stuff you don't have to buy it you can just read it on marvel unlimited and have it at your your fingertips at any time which by the way for me there's sometimes i just have i'll have a craving to go back into the old back issues and read stuff and it is so helpful to have that there let me tell you i mean yeah i mean tim have you have you done any big binges with star wars comics through marvel unlimited yet not really not huge binges Okay. Just certain issues I would read here and there. I sometimes go back and read too, but yeah, but but you have used a decent amount for just Star Wars back issues alone. Oh, definitely, yeah. Okay, okay, yeah. It, for me, I I started reading and I'm not completed it yet, but I've gone through and read a good chunk of the Knights of Old Republic, uh, the J- John Jackson Miller series, which has been very very good. Um, I need to pick that up again eventually, but right now I'm kind of got other stuff going on. But but yeah, that I read the first. I want to say. 20 30 issues of that somewhere around there and, and super super solid i really i'm really enjoying it and it's one of those things where it's just so helpful to have that there so if you love star wars and you know you're not really a bit a book person but you're not really but you would love to like you know kind of dive into more star wars and you know, you play video games you've already played those things those things to death then i i can't recommend marvel unlimited enough for you just to kind of go in and see uh, what you know? What tickles your fancy in Star Wars? Because again, even if you have problems reading comics or you're not a big comic book reader, I think the service is worth picking up just for the Star Wars comics alone. Not to mention all the other great comics that are on there as well. So, and uh, and again, this, and this is something that we did on Comic Binge. If you are new to reading comics, which again, I'm not going to sit here and assume everyone's read a comic book because it is definitely the this, this I hate to say it like this, but the, the kind of like the bastard son of mediums of entertainment, right? Of of uh, it's kind of always looked down and beaten on because it's because basically this uh, 
kind of like oh it's a nerd thing or it's kind of like oh you know it's it's always like, like this children's naked... books and all like exactly funny stories children. those stuff yeah it, mm-hmm. yeah i was listening I mean, it's to gotten better audio, but... but still it's not at that it's gotten point. a lot better yeah it's, it's gotten so much better but it's 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 not quite out of there out of the out of the woods yet as far as that kind of connotation i think it's probably one more generation away from turning into a more valid uh medium and i think uh manga is a big reason to be honest i think manga is obviously a a form of comic books it's you know obviously a different culture completely uh the way it's kind of you know presented which we'll get that in a second because i I, reason i bring all that up in the first place is because if you have trouble reading comics or don't know really how to read them because that was something that people have kind of talked about they don't know how to read comics and again i I, maybe if you're listening to this going how could anyone trust me you wouldn't believe how many people out there don't know how to read comics? Yeah, I've gotten that from a few people too. Yeah, so I just want to say right now, if you're embarrassed to think that, don't be one. And two, and if you're like, well, how do I read a comic book? Here's the best thing to do, left to right. Not It has now, to be fair, not every comic will always follow that that guideline, but the safest thing is always from left to right. And you can kind of, you know, hasn't failed me yet, and sometimes it does get kind of, kind of confusing depending on the artist and what the artist is trying to go for. And again, it's a visual medium. So sometimes those things can get blurred a little bit as far as how to follow the panel structure and everything. But, but also right. too, the one plus to reading digital is having that panel to panel feature oh, when you're reading a you. comic, which thank just you. makes it super easy to follow because each the panel fills up the screen. You just tap it and then it moves to the next panel automatically. Yeah. yeah. Th- thank you, Tim. Exactly. So so for people who are like, I, I don't know how to read a comic when I pick it up, left or right, physical comic, whatever. And then like, exactly. I can't believe I did just almost didn't even think about that too. What Tim said, panel, the panel for the guided view on digital comics is amazing. I use it all the time. And it's what's Maybe. weird is what's weird. Tim is I've actually gone back from guided view. Cause that's what I've done for the last, I'd say like seven, eight years or as long, as long as I've had a, an iPad, which has been since I was in my early thirties. Now I'm in my late thirties. So good six, eight years, whatever that's been. I've done guided view for the most part, but literally in this last year, I've gone back to reading a lot more physical comic books and buying more physical uh, graphic novels and reading just the pages now and going full page. And I'm actually really like enjoy it where they both have their advantages. Yeah. And I, you know, the reason why I love going full page, which again, if you're reading the digital, one of the most beautiful things, and I didn't realize this till like a couple of years ago or recently when, uh, Derek Beebe, uh, I think, uh, Derek, I think I, that was you. Uh, he's one that told me, well, you can just do guided view on the way out. Like you can you can set up your 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 tablet to when you're doing uh, guided view panel to panel, it'll go out at the last panel of the page. So you yep. can kind of see what the artist is doing because it's important. That's all I have my settings on for, for the apps that have it, of course. So not all yeah, of them yeah. do, but they should, but they don't. But that's definitely the best way to go. Because it gives you that full scope of what the comic the panel or the comic page and how the artist intended it to be looks like after you're done going from panel to panel. And and that's something that's really important to me. I want to know what the writer and the artist, what their visions were, especially the artist, mainly the artist. The writer doesn't really have a complete, I would say they have a, they have a say, but they don't have the final say of how the structure goes. Cause that's the 100% the storytelling of the artist. So I want to know what the artist visually is, is foreseen in their head. And that's why I love comic books. That's why I love visual medium in general. I, books are, are fine, are a great medium, obviously. And, and I, I devour books through audiobook. But 
it's comics and, and that I love the idea of seeing someone's definitive vision of what they're thinking and want to, to show us. I love that idea, right? Oh, totally. Yeah. That's why that, that feature on those digital comics apps is just so convenient because <laughs> you get the best of both worlds, really. And I think some of them have it too, where you can have a start with the full page, then go to panel to panel, or you could do it at the end, like we were you talking about. Both. You can do yeah, I prefer, yeah. I prefer having it at the end kind of exactly. Cause sometimes I remember this happens to me a few times when I was reading physical issues of comics, where there's a big surprise, uh, like on a last panel or, or on the other page, yep. I mistakenly turned two pages when I shouldn't have, <laughs> I get spoiled yeah. on something at, yep. at the spot I wasn't supposed to. So that's another reason why I just really love the panel to panel feature. Cause it kind of saves the surprise and reveals that certain issues have, and it makes it that much more exciting to when you get to that point. Yeah, no, exactly. That was, uh, yeah, man, you, you said it best. And so anyway, I'm just going to stop there. And again, for future episodes, we do this. We won't really probably go into this ever again, but just for the first episode, I thought it'd be interesting to kind of just make sure people who maybe don't know comics as well and what maybe are kind of remotely interested, we can start perking their interests. So, and really quickly, uh, I guess we already kind of went over our, our history with comic books, so we're good there. Um, so today, uh, how how we kind of started this was the last this last year, Star Wars rebooted uh, their their volumes for Star Wars and Darth Vader, and because of the Empire Strikes Back tie-ins, which is very interesting. You, I always thought they'd go sooner to the Empire Strikes uh, Strikes Back era. Me too. But 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 no, I actually I'm really glad. I think they're waiting. The fact they were kind of waiting for the 40th anniversary kind of makes sense and lets the stories breathe and kind of have some some room to kind of see things and and, and whatnot, which I really appreciate to be quite honest. So, um, I'm really enjoying uh, the fact that they they kind of waited this long and now it, they kind of made all the comics are kind of following the same timeline. You know, normally. And to be honest, I would assume that all the comic series wouldn't really be following the same timeline, but they all are. So right now, you've got four Star Wars series coming out at the same time. You've got Star Wars volume, you know, regular Star Wars volume, which is obviously takes place between Empire and Jedi, and that's Luke and Leia and Lando, all that jazz. You've got the Darth Vader series, which is about Darth Vader, and it takes place same time frame, same time frame as the Star Wars series is. You also have Star Wars Bounty Hunters, which is also taking place between Empire and Jedi. And then this latest series had Boba Fett in it. And then now we also have Dr. Aphra, which I've not read the current, I have not read anything currently with that, but that's my next thing to get kind of knocked down here in a couple weeks. So, which I'm looking forward to. I actually really like the last Aphra, the last part of the Aphra series. The first part, not so much. So the first half of those issues of that series of volume one, not really a huge fan of. The last half, much, much better. Steve Spurrier, uh, I believe is his name. Or, uh, is that his name? Spurrier, I know, is his last name. I, I think I'm, I might be thinking if it's um, the uh, football, college football coach. I don't want to get him confused. But anyway, his last name is Spurrier. Uh, I loved his after run. He took over for Gillian. They were kind of co-writing the issues, and then he kind of took over eventually, I think around like issue 15 or 16 of the after volume one. And he totally, I think, blew that series away as far as the potential and and really got even more in depth i think with the character and just i think this kind of it just felt more star wars to me so if you if you dropped afro for any reason i know a lot of people love afro but if you did drop it at first because it wasn't really your thing i could tell you the last half of that series was very very good um in my opinion so 
new writer, everything for this new Afro series. I've heard some solid things, so I'm looking forward to catching up on that. But anyway, those are the four main series coming out right now. The High Republic series uh, will be coming uh, at the end of the year, or beginning of the year. So that'll be exciting. It kind of will be a different timeline completely, obviously, before Phantom Menace and all that jazz. But so anyway, but today we're going to talk about Star Wars volume, officially volume two, 2020, if you want to, if you will. That's when the series kind of restarted or no, it was 2018 because it came out during. No, uh, it is labeled as Star Wars 2020 in Marvel. Oh, is it? It's, so oh, okay. well, <laughs> I guess enough. that is kind of the official term for it. But it came out right when Rise of Skywalker came out, which is a which is what the December. So it's what? Yeah. End of the year, so that we're gonna go over issues one through six and Darth Vader 2020, uh, issues one through five. So, which I was, I originally thought we had it was the first six issues, but no, it was only the first five issues anyway. So, uh, I believe issues one through three are, are available for unlimited right now for Star Wars 2020, and I think only the first two issues are for uh, Marvel Unlimited Darth Vader right now so um if you're Actually, interested i'm looking at it right now star wars has the first five issues no way well i yeah. stand corrected I, I i apologize but what about darth vader check that out for me real quick and i believe darth vader is two like you said but let me double okay, check two. i remember i was checking earlier today okay so um, no it actually is three okay so we have three yeah so you have all majority of that series so yeah if you get on marvel limited right now you could read the whole first, you get pretty much the whole first arc of Star Wars volume you know, 2020, and then pretty much half the arc of Darth Vader. So that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. And kind of see what we're talking about. So anyway, which one do you want to tackle first, Tim? I'll let you kind of pick. Um, let's go with Star Wars first, I since that is the main I, title. I know you, but you also wanted to save Vader for last. I know, I know you're, uh, you know, me too well. <laughs> I know you too well. I know. I was like, I already know who's going to pick, but I'm going to let him do it. All right. So anyway, all right, we're going to start with Star Wars 2020. Now this obviously picks up um or or not obviously picks up but this picks up obviously sometime after empire strikes back but it doesn't just pick up right after empire or after empire strikes back it picks up right after star wars or empire strikes back picks uh leaves off essentially they're on the millennium falcon still luke has his hand chopped off and lando han and chewie are literally flying back to their their Lando, Lay, and Chewie. We all know where Han's at during this time. Yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> stuff, if you will. They're all flying the Millennium Falcon. What's interesting here, Tim, and, and throughout this whole series, is you don't see the end of Empire Strikes Back, where they're all looking out with Han and Chewie flying mm-hmm. to save Han. Yeah, and this is one of those instances where I really appreciate these comic stories where it takes place right in the midst of what we're familiar Mm -hmm. with in the movies and just add some new layers to the story that we're so familiar with and adds new things to it that we wouldn't have expected just by watching the movies. And this issue does that right out of the gate. And it lines up perfectly to once we get to that moment in Empire Empire Strikes Back, though. So it's not something that feels so out of place and how can this kind of fit in the structure of mm-hmm. the movie but as you read the issue you'll find out a lot of ha- a lot of stuff happens in between the moments um luke lando leia chewie leave bespin and arrive with the rebel fleet and we see luke get his hand repaired it just mm-hmm. wasn't they jumped to light speed and they arrived there some stuff goes down <laughs> yeah and so that's what's really cool so to be honest and the way i see this 
this current series ending and it seems like it's going to follow the same model as the first a new hope series did where it took place right after star wars and or a new hope excuse me and it waited to the 40th anniversary for empire to kind of tie everything together which again was a smart i think business decision and i think creative business decision, decision too. yeah but i i do feel it went on a little too long than maybe, that era. maybe there there let me let me just say this the original or the the volume one Jason Aaron stuff. I thought Jason Aaron did a really really good job of carrying that series for what thirty issues. It was a while, and when uh, Karen Gillan took over, it was very up and down. There were some great issues that he did. There were some clunkers in there where I was like, oh, man, yeah. <laughs> and and there were some clunkers with Jason Aaron, but I feel like there was only a small portion compared to like Karen Gillan's. In my opinion, would you say the same thing? No, I I totally agree. The, like like for instance, the Rogue One tie-in issues where they go back to Jetta is such a cool idea, but the execution of you know it's not the like the worst of his mm. series. It just wasn't as good as I wanted it to be. Say so, yeah, I completely agree. Okay, to me, I'm what not- really lost it and when i just stopped reading it for a bit was when they go to the farm <laughs> that i don't remember farm was it wasn't uh. as bad as you think it was honestly it wasn't that bad it was it that went on too long that should have been one or two issues and that was like what six and i for those who don't know this really quickly luke leia and han get stuck on a, a farm planet and han and leia it kind of it's basically an excuse to get han and leia closer and it's just it just goes on. It just it, you could tell it's just kind of them just treading water for a bit. It's a little ridiculous, but but anyway, it's okay. There are some good decent moments in it, I think, but for the most part, it's whatever. Anyway, Star Wars twenty twenty issues one through five. I think we'll just do a kind of a brief kind of overview. I want people to read the comics, so we won't give. Yeah. I don't, don't want to give too many spoilers away, but basically, it really ties up a lot of things that you would assume. Like if this were to be a movie, what would they do right afterwards? Like, let's just say, and again, I'm not trying to be a jerk here, but let's say he tries to do Last Jedi and goes <laughs> right after literally the second, yeah. the next it's, second. It's exactly what this is. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, that's what it is, right? Yeah. It, it kind of, what would these characters do literally right afterwards? And that's, and that ultimately is a great compliment to the series because it really does the things you expect in a good way and want to see. Because I think one of the things we all, when we all assume some, something's going to happen, not everyone, but a lot of us want to see it happen. And that's not nece- necessarily always a bad thing. And you'll get to see things like what happens with Luke Skywalker's lightsaber. Okay. Like the one that rail will eventually use. Right. And what, you know, what happens when, when Lando betrays, his, you know his his good friend Han, and and all of a sudden like flips, and and we see him just kind of again the end of Empire Strikes Back. Just everyone's all happy with him and whatever. Like there's no progression. We don't see a progression there. It would seem kind of obvious if it picked up right when they're in the Millennium Falcon, they escape the Empire. They wouldn't exactly be Lando's best friend, and that definitely is addressed right away in the yeah. series. No, totally. And that's one of the great things about it, too, and how it leads to that moment at the end of Empire Strikes Back where we see Lando and Chewie on the Falcon. And it seems like uh, they're all on friendly terms right there. But as you read the issues, 
Um, that's not exactly the case. I mean, again, I don't want to go into too much spoilers there, but Leia pretty much sends Chewie with Lando because she doesn't trust him to go to yeah. Java's palace and try to find Han. Chewie is there to watch over and make sure he doesn't try anything, any funny business. And yeah. that was another thing I liked about this is how when you think about the time gap between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, how it is about a year. And it makes you think, so what happened to where it took a year for them to go to Jabba's palace and try to rescue Han and couldn't take that long to come up with the plan that they eventually did. So I did like how in this comic series, they did go to Jabba's palace right off the bat. That's where Mm -hmm. Han and Chewie went at the end of the Empire Strikes Back. We see them arrive there and what goes down as far as why they couldn't rescue Han right then and there. Um, So it's just little things like that, that help paint that broader picture of this time period between Empire and Jedi and why it took as long as it did for them to rescue Han. I mean, we know that stuff went down previously in Legends, obviously with Shadows of the Empire and that story. And this is going in a totally different direction so far. But again, it's just good to know what what is going on in that gap that spanned a year between empire and jedi and so far in these uh, first five issues in this first story arc it was definitely some um, interesting stuff that made total sense to me as i was reading it um, for the most part there were certain things that i wasn't quite too sure about and wasn't the biggest fan of but nothing that i really absolutely hated i mean come on it's charles soul who we all know oh, so has been good. the best star wars comic writer since this whole uh, new canon writer. began, so I'd say a writer in general. Besides, but, besides Claudia Gray, besides Claudia Gray, which I think Claudia Gray make that argument. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and again, I don't want to get to. We're gonna. We're, there is one massive spoiler we're gonna talk about at the very end um, of this before we get to the Darth Vader that I'm gonna save so people can go read the comics and come back and listen to it if they want to. Um, but there's like I think a few spoilers won't be too bad. I want to save a couple things. Like I want to, you know, what were some of the things that got without getting too specific? If you can, but again, spoiler if you have to. I, I don't mind, but I'm curious, what exactly did you not care for in this? In this, I mean, the nitpicks, if if you will. You see, one of them might be that big spoiler you're talking about. <laughs> okay, all right. Which, okay, which I think. I think we know what it is. All right, so yeah. I'll, I'll just save that one. But anything besides that one massive spoiler. Um, not really one little nitpick thing that I've had. And to be honest, especially at the end of the main Star Wars title that we were talking about, the first volume, I just wasn't really happy with the way Luke was being written. There's just something about it. The writers, I don't think we're just capturing the, the voice of Luke and just the characteristics of him that I'm used to in those later issues. And there was a, a moment here where kind of at the end, I believe it was issue five, where he's trying to find someone he sees in his vision. And one of those things about Luke that just seems a little off to me, it might just maybe be, but he just seems not afraid just to say things that might get him or other people in trouble where he goes to find someone who could be a Jedi. And (laughs) he just kind of flat out asks, "Uh, can you tell me where I can find a Jedi? (laughs) It's like (laughs) not realizing how that could be a dangerous thing to do for him and maybe for some other people. So... I don't know. It just seems Luke is a little careless in some situations uh, in past issues. And this is the only instance I found in this series. I think Charles Soule has written Luke very well here, especially with what how he's dealing with the revelation of Darth Vader saying his, yes. he's his father and how Obi-Wan lied to him. So seeing Luke deal with that immediately right after he found that out is some great stuff. 
Yes, I, I think that was probably that was probably one of my favorite moments of the series initially right off the bat because just kind of let everyone know how I read comic books usually it kind of varies. Star Wars was usually one I read all the time and before the pandemic I was re- I had this thing this kind of tradition where I'd read comics over the weekend at a coffee shop. I'd get some a bunch of like nice tasty like you know donuts or whatever i bring a diet coke or i buy diet coke there yeah i'd bring a diet coke i don't care at a coffee um, shop but never yeah, a coffee That's your yeah style. never yeah, exactly <laughs> yeah exactly it's how i roll um and right when the but right before the pandemic hit i was reading star wars and anytime i got a new issue i'd go and devour it at a coffee shop over that weekend well when the pandemic hit i was like well i'm just gonna keep waiting for you know keep my tradition my tradition and just wait for star wars to read it when the coffee shop opens well Coffee shop hasn't opened over here in uh, since February, so I don't. And we're about to go in another lockdown right now. I think next week, so I pretty much won't be doing that anytime soon. So I decided to finally read the comics, and I, I got to read it in my mom and dad's uh, sunroom up north for me. So, which was a lot of fun. It was kind of I got to relax and kind of get away for a minute. You know, it was really cool. So, anyway, my point is, I when I was reading this though. At the time, I was reading it once when they came out, and I remember really liking. I read the first two issues, and um, I really liked how Soul was tackling Luke's uh, personality. And uh, after the pandemic hit, I hadn't read anything current for a long, long time. Well, then when I read this today for the first time, Tim, I was really, I really liked how he wrote Luke at first, and then I will say. No, this is nitpicking, by the way, like like we were saying. This is not like a full-on criticism. This is me trying to find issues with with the comic book. Um, I would say you're right that Luke's characterization is not necessarily wrong, but the way his dialogue is is weird. Like it, mm-hmm. it's, I feel that a lot of people haven't really been able to nail Luke's voice. Like Han, plenty of people have nailed Han's voice, even. Yeah. Vader's voice, I feel people have, have done, especially Soul, has done a phenomenal job of writing the voice of, of Darth Vader. But even Kieran Gillen has done a great job of that, too. I think Marvel's been, and I think the reason why, we'll get into Darth Vader in a second. I'll get in that in a minute. But but anyway, but for the most part, Luke has been, I think, a struggle. I think Jason Aaron, out of everyone, has probably been the best at I think tackling Luke's voice, but even then has been like, it's, there's been hit and misses with him. You know what I mean? So I would say that soul is probably right behind Aaron because later in the series, it definitely gets a little weaker, but I think at first I really liked how he was tackling Luke's reaction to, to Vader. And I felt, it felt very natural. It felt very like it would be, the reaction Luke would have against Darth Vader, you know, being his father and him resenting it and all, not just resenting it, but being angry at, at Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yep. Yeah. There's that sequence. I forget if it was an issue one or two where he's, it might be, I don't know if it's in the battle that he was on the Falcon and some triggers the memory of oh. Vader saying that. And then it, Another panel just shows Obi-Wan talking to him that we saw in A New Hope. He betrayed and murdered your father. Just the contrast of the lie and the truth of what uh, Luke was hearing about his father and just seeing the expression on his face and how he's dealing with that. It's just, like I said, some great stuff of immediately seeing how Luke is reacting to that revelation he just had. Yeah. And just 
how you would expect it too, because obviously that's a huge, huge bomb that was dropped on him, and not something that you just automatically could tuck away and deal with later. You're going to be dealing with that for a a while, especially right after, and that's all you're going to be thinking about, even if there's this battle going on. So, mm-hmm. yeah, just little hints of, of callbacks to what we know and seen from Empire Strikes Back and A New Hope was. Uh, some great usage of that just to show how Luke is dealing with uh, the revelation of Vader being his father. And also tying into his feelings of, and how that makes him like lose, not lose control, but it shows him how powerful the force is, which again, I don't want to spoil it. It's a great moment in the comic, Mm -hmm. to be honest. And so again, tease you, if you haven't read these comics, go read it, man. There's a, there's some great, there are some truly great Luke moments in this. And even later on when the dialogue isn't super great, it's still, pretty pretty cool um that what, what charles soul does so so anyway and, and i would say uh my nitpicks are kind of similar to yours i would say luke is you know the probably the his his characterization isn't super great um is probably one of my biggest uh, uh criticisms again i would say more than any criticism nitpick my other nitpick is kind of a, again this is classic comics but i feel is a little heavy-handed it was a high republic stuff yeah it, it's a little, it's a little heavy handed, but it's comics. I'm used to it. So, exactly. <laughs> but, but again, it, but I think most people wouldn't even pick up on it, but it seems so obvious that they're just, you know, Charles souls, like, Oh, we gotta do, you know, do all this. And it's not, even, it, it, it could be considered natural because I, I think he's going to use, uh, Charles is going to use this, uh, new base, uh, that you kind of hear about. And again, I don't, I don't think it's a spoiler because it's in the solicitations and all that stuff, but it's not that big of a deal. But basically, they're going to be using a base um, set up in the High Republic that's going to play also a big part in the High Republic series. They're, the Rebel Alliance is going to utilize this somehow in the, in his uh, Star Wars series. And and we haven't even seen it yet. So in the, at least as far as I've only, I've only read up to issue six. So we haven't seen it yet as of issue six, what they're going to do. So it's going to be really exciting what that could turn out to be because that could be end up being a big part of uh, this series and that won't that wouldn't be as big of a deal having those kind of heavy handed moments Tim but at the same time it does feel heavy handed when I, when they I have to mention the High Republic multiple times yeah. it's like okay I get it it just feels more like a publicity marketing type thing a than little anything bit, have yeah. to deal with the story <laughs> yeah like like he didn't have to say the High Republic he could have said the Republic. Yeah, a couple times. Like they, they use High Republic as like a way of, hey guys, wink, wink, we're mm-hmm. what's coming, you know. And that's <laughs> again, that's just I, I get it. That's it's again, that's more of a nitpick more than anything because it wasn't that bad. So let's get in some praise before we get into the big spoiler. Um, the things I loved, I gotta say, the artwork was amazing in this comic series. Overall, I agree with you. I do think. Um, again, I don't want to keep harping on Luke in comics, but in certain panels and shots, it's his nose. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I knew it. I knew right. it. <laughs> like it was only him. Everyone else, I thought looked fine. It's just, and I, to be honest, that's just something with Star Wars comics in general, where Luke just seems to be that character that doesn't seem to certain artists just can't get right all the time. Even in some of the Legends comics, there's some issues that I really enjoy, but then it's like, man, Luke doesn't look right i don't know for whatever reason it's just he's the character out of the most that just doesn't have the best track record when the comics when it comes to the artwork sometimes and sadly at least for me anyway in this series there were some instances where that was the case or i just felt they just didn't capture how 
the look of Luke, I felt that it should be just like they did the other characters. But overall, yeah, the artwork I did really enjoy for the most part. For whatever reason, people can't draw Mark Hamill's nose. And <laughs> it's very interesting. But you know why I think that is? Is because his look is so different from A New Hope to Empire that I think there's a natural... I think every artist has a, a, a an interpretation of Luke around this era, and it's so blended between those two films that it's hard for them, I think, subconsciously to separate it. Mm. I really do. Because it's such a dramatic change. Because think about it. Everyone else, for the most part, like, every artist is different, right? But if I would agree with you, Luke has been one of the harder characters to nail down. But why is that? Because... Harrison Ford is 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 not that hard, has never or at least that drawing a Harrison Ford character has been more consistent, and I would say Leia is more consistent, you know, Lando Calrissian has been more consistent. For whatever reason, Luke's a lot less consistent, and it's probably because of that reason. I think maybe it's a subconscious thing or, or whatever. That's kind of what I would go to. But yes, specifically his nose. His nose is always out of whack. It seems like I can't can't explain it, but. But yeah, that's uh, I would say the art has been really, really, really good, to be honest. I was really impressed with uh, with this because if, if you listen to my other podcasts and, and if you don't, uh, you, you've heard me say this maybe before if you have listened to it on my other shows. But I think that comic art in general has been going down and, and just overall because for whatever reason, it's just hard to find, I think, good artists out there that, that are consistent. That's the problem is consistent, good artists that can tell great stories but also turn out these comics in a timely manner because there's a lot of great artists out there. But either they're, they're great artists and they can't tell great stories because their storytelling, boarding, and panel structures are, are lacking or those people who can tell great stories and also are also great artists – are slow as hell and they're not you can't put them on a monthly book because mm-hmm. they'll take they just will never get it done so the, it's like the the find that the amount that the right talent for comic books is so hard right now that i think that it suffers a lot in in the whole industry as a whole but with star wars it's usually it usually gets the the top talent it seems like i i have not Right as of right now, and I haven't gotten to Afro yet, so I don't, I can't make an assessment yet with that. But with Bounty Hunters, Vader, and the Star Wars series, I think the art has all been really, really good, very, very good, to be quite honest. Compared, and I read a lot of Marvel comics, I can tell you it's very inconsistent with Marvel comics and, and DC comics too. But the Marvel series for Star Wars, uh, have been pretty, pretty consistently good. And I think especially right now, they're very, very good. And I don't know this gentleman's name or, or lady's name. Let me see who the, let me find out who the artist is. I don't know who the artist is. Off the it was my head. Jesus Saez. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. In fact, I think, I think he did, uh, some Vader target stuff, if I'm not mistaken, which by the way, is a great comic book on Marvel unlimited. And it takes place, it ties into, uh, I think, Bounty Hunters also. Um, I think his, I think Jesus uh, Saez was uh, on that series. Regardless, Jesus Saez is a great artist, and I think his work in this series is very, very good. And I hope he stays on Star Wars for a long time because he gets the aesthetic, I think, of Star Wars right off the bat. Would you agree with that? No, yeah, I would definitely agree with that, especially when you get to some of those space battles that we see in the early issues of this new Star Wars run. Oh yeah, that's some really cool stuff in there. 
Oh, so you've read past issue six already. Um, yes. Well, no, actually, I'm talking about the first two issues of the series. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, maybe I sure. said <laughs> maybe I said after, but I meant oh, yeah, before. Yeah. But... I don't, now it makes sense. No, yeah, the art in this, and and I would say again, going if I'm going to go deep in the in the in the inside baseball, if you will, which is a little wink wink for my boys here, Kyle and Tim. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, little inside baseball, the layouts that this guy does. Meaning the and for those who don't know, that means the 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 page layouts, the panel structure of what the the writer has done, and then the artist is portraying on the page, is really good. Like if you go to, um, I'm going to uh, the trade volume, uh, twenty page twenty one. It's I think it was, I think it's the first uh, issue anyway. But um, if you go on uh, the first issue, but it's page twenty one digitally of the graphic novel. Uh, it's a beautiful page. It's four panels, but it's one massive panel and then three little ones underneath it. And it's just beautiful. It's just a great visual look of the Falcon flying away in like a fiery background. And uh, it's just awesome. It's a beautiful, beautiful looking page. I just got to say it's, it's to me, it's a very, it's not like a, anything super spectacular, but it just shows you what the comic book medium does on a very, like, this is like a, a Tuesday of the week. If you, if you, if you catch <laughs> uh, what I'm just saying here, it's not like it's, it's Friday night. Like if I, if, if I was looking for a Friday night kind of page, I would think like a splash page of something, you know, or something like that. But no, this is like Tuesday. It's just four panels, one massive one, three little panels underneath, just telling the story. And it's just, it's just great. It just shows you, I think the, a very basic approach of the comic book medium, but just shows you how great it can be. Uh, I like it's great. So, um, yeah, I love the art. Um, I, I just think Soul totally got where it need, the story needed to go post Empire Strikes Back. So he deserves a lot of credit. And I think the fact that, again, I, I would think Luke would go back for his lightsaber, right? Like that makes the most sense. Yeah, because, well, at first, I like how he kind of brought out too where he thinks it's um, if I remember it right, I know I just reread a lot of these I, issues yeah, today yeah. because it's been a while <laughs> since I read them originally. But um, I think he first believes that it's gone. But then Lando kind of tells him, hey, what what if I told you I can get your lightsaber back and it's not lost forever? But I know exactly where it'd be. And once Luke hears that, of course, I think he would be eager to go retrieve it. Um, that's just a great part of kind of the journey. Luke goes on throughout the course of these six issues because at the end of the first issue, he's kind of questioning, should he even be a Jedi now? And if mm -hmm. he's not, what is he supposed to be? So he's kind of at a loss right here. And then when Lando tells him that, it's kind of what he needs at least to try to get um, a piece of what he believes makes him a Jedi back. And the stuff that goes on later where he realizes it's not uh, just the lightsaber that makes a Jedi, but at the point where he is now, he thinks it's probably the most important thing he can do. Mm -hmm. And just the fact that they go back to Bespin is something I never would have guessed <laughs> would happen between, well, if since it's a year, it could have happened eventually, but at this point, right after for them to go immediately back there, um, for various reasons, Lando has a reason for going there. Luke, as we just talked about, for his lightsaber, and Leia has a reason for wanting to go. Mm -hmm. But it makes total sense too for why they're going there this quickly. And even though it was something I wasn't expecting while I was reading it for the first time, first I was kind of curious: is this going to be the best idea coming just coming from Bespin? And how familiar 
with the events that took place there and the Empire Strikes Back and just to go immediately mm-hmm. right yeah. back there. Will that be a smart decision for this story? Will it be too uh, like a retread? But yep. it wasn't. And nope. mm-hmm. I think for everything that these three characters, Lando, Luke, and Leia, and what they had to do uh, served well for the story and just their characters in general, especially for Lando. I think he's the reason he goes back there was probably the best out of the three. And for those who don't know, Charles Soule, who wrote this this comic series, or is writing this comic series, he also wrote the phenomenal Darth Vader series, which we'll eventually cover at some point with Kyle. Kyle will jo- eventually join us for, if we can corral him. See, I think we got to remind you again, Kyle, uh, Paul, we did talk about it and cover it with Kyle, because he actually read it. Did we? Yeah. Oh, no, we, we, he only read, like, um, he didn't read the whole thing, though. No, I'm pretty sure he did. Did we cover the whole series? Well, maybe not at the whole series, but the last arc we definitely did. Oh, right, that's right. He re- he did read that, but he was starting to read the other stuff too, though. Um, which, which again, the whole series is phenomenal. There's like one, yeah. I would say this is like the whole series as a whole is like a nine point nine out of ten, and the one time it dips, and we're saying it goes from like a ten to like a nine or maybe an eight eight at the lowest, and that's at the lowest of the series. It's still so good. It's so, so good. I can't believe how good that series is. And I still think people are sleeping on it. Like, they, people don't talk about it enough. It's like the best Star Wars comics ever written. And this is coming from someone who's read a lot, not all, but a lot of Star Wars comics. And let me tell you, there's no doubt that Charles Soule stuff is the best. It, I, I take it, com, uh, Giuseppe Camicoli, the artist, him together is a just chef's kiss. It's beautiful. But also, Charles Soule wrote another phenomenal Star Wars comic, and I don't, I'm not just saying that. His uh, Lando miniseries is one of the best as well, which, yep. I, again, not joking. He, and I, not everything Charles Soule has been gold because he wrote, also wrote the Obi-Wan and Anakin miniseries for Marvel, and that wasn't the greatest. Not bad. Yeah, it's not bad, but just very disappointing just because – of the potential of how great that oh, could have God, been. Yeah. It's especially him. Exactly. Yeah. So, so good. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, I thought it was going to be a home run. It was like, Oh, it was like a double, maybe like yeah. a, like a <laughs> ground ground rule double or, or how about this? This will be good for you. Baseball people like Tim and Kyle. It was a single error on, you know, got to second on, on an error. <laughs> there you, you go. Know? Yeah. yeah it, but it, it wasn't bad, but it got to our second base, but it was kind of, yeah, I didn't reread it to be honest. Maybe we'll cover it on the show again, eventually and bring Kyle on making, him read it too make make kyle read more make, hashtag make kyle read, yeah. read more <laughs> i was gonna say get another hashtag going with read more comics but just add make kyle at the beginning <laughs> yeah make kyle read more kyle read more comics um uh before i get to give it to you for any more positive things one of, one of my favorite moments uh tim was uh the splash page now for those who don't know what a splash page is it's basically it's kind of a, a number of different things it could be you know, basically the, the nuts and bolts of it is like the one picture for the whole page. Sometimes the splash page could be also the it's one major picture with a couple little panels, you know, kind of with the with the continuing the story. But it's mainly just one predominantly huge picture covering the whole page. And they call that a splash page. So, again, if you don't know comics. That's what you know, unless I'm mistaken. Or Tim, is that what you're also referred to as splash pages? Yeah, definitely. Okay, so there's a splash page in this comic, and I'm not going to ruin it for you because I think it's a great moment, and you probably know which one I'm talking about, when Luke goes to try to find his lightsaber. Mm-hmm. 
And I'm not going to spoil what it is, but it's it's a splash page. And it's about Luke trying to find his uh, Skywalker, the, the not just uh, Ray's lightsaber, but the Skywalker, wink, wink. Uh, because she is a Skywalker, too. Right? <laughs> Thank you. I just love hearing that. Um, the Skywalker uh, legacy lightsaber. And it's a great moment. It's It's perfect. And it's towards the end of the second issue. And so it kind of leaves on a cliffhanger. It's so good. Oh my god, it's so good. So I, I love that. Do you, um, did you have anything to say about that thing in particular? Um, not too much to add to it, but just um, how we all could, <laughs> were thinking about ever since we knew that lightsaber was going to be in Force Awakens, and even when Maz says it's a story for another time, mm-hmm. and thinking, okay, this is going to be the first step of finding of hearing that story, but and starting it in a trash heap. <laughs> yeah. Of, Oh, so spoil it! Oh, shh. Oops, my bad, my bad. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. If you, if you just, we'll just leave it at that. Yeah, we'll okay. Leave it at that. Just leave it at that. It's it's pretty good. You'll you'll enjoy it. You'll enjoy it. Uh, one last thing, I I wanted to say this really 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 quick about things I liked, and you kind of touched on it already. Uh, Lando going to Java. That was a great mm. written moment. And again, I don't want to spoil it for you because I think because because it did not go exactly the way I thought I was going to. On any level, on every level, to be quite honest. Oh, there's yeah. A, there's a couple of big revel, uh, revelations, I thought, in that and, and some cool moments. Just And just in that whole introduction, I was like, whoa, this is actually kind of interesting, just on a couple different things. So you touched on, on that as well, but I, I love that interaction. It might be one of my favorite parts in the whole comic series. Yeah, it was great to see that go down and just, again, seeing what happens at the end of The Empire Strikes Back what immediately happens i should say of them taking the first steps and trying to get hand yeah. back it's just really great yeah and another thing that i really liked about i believe it was in issue five um mm-hmm. just kind of showing a little bit of what certain people in the galaxy can do with some well-known heroes like luke skywalker where mm-hmm. we see oh, someone yeah. trying to impersonate luke and try to get some money out of it. And, but then he had the unfortunate circumstances of doing that with Vader walking into the room. And you can mm. only imagine uh, what would happen if Vader sees someone doing that. And I like how Vader is kind of saying it out loud, how this is, you're impersonating a rebel hero and an, an, an enemy to the Empire, and we're not going to stand for this. But in reality, we know that's not really what he's upset about. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Just yeah, one of the great moments with Vader I felt in this issue or in the series so far. No, totally. Totally. And, and again, I don't want to spoil the, um, there's, there's, there's one thing we're going to spoil for sure. We have to, yeah. it's just, it's <laughs> kind of weird and I have to talk about it, but I will say, um, if you've seen the solicitations, um, the covers, you might've already seen the cover. I'm just going to say, uh, I thought what Charles Soule did, and I think Charles Soule just gets the idea of the mysticism of the Force so well. And he's gotten it pretty, even in the Anakin Obi-Wan series, uh, I keep saying say Kyle, because um, <laughs> usually Kyle's one hosting, so I'm always like, want to respond to him on the show. Uh, Tim, I, and I think you would agree that Soule just, he gets the idea of the mysticism, mysticism of the Force, because even in the oh, Lando series, yeah, yeah, Lando series, the Obi Wan or in Kano or oh my Kenobi, Obi Wan and Anakin series, the uh, Darth Vader series, especially he just gets the Force and and what you need to do with it and keep it and not just have it be, I don't know, it's hard to explain because the Force is 
some people get it, some people don't. The writers do, and Soul one hundred percent hits it out of the park every time. And I think how Luke gets his lightsaber, the interactions with this person, which again I want to just—it's not a big spoiler, but it's a, I think it's a cool moment how he leads up to that person, mm-hmm. and how Luke comes to the conclusion that he needs to in this yeah. series is really really well done. And I gotta say, I, I was. I was like, man, I was, I was kind of like, what, what does this mean? Who's this character? And it was really cool. And it made a lot of sense. I, I got to say he just nails the force. So I love that stuff. No. Yeah. That stuff was Luke in someone that he meets. Um, it's some of the best stuff in this series and yeah. dealing with the force and just the Jedi in general. And again, I don't want to, like I said, we'd want to keep away from most spoilers, but I believe Luke learned some pretty important information here that for the first time um, really that's why I'm, I'm not 100 sure but i got the impression that he learned something here that um <laughs> see, sorry, oh, I, oh, oh, gotcha. I can't say it without I, yeah, actually okay. saying it so yeah, yeah. yeah we're, we're, gonna, we're gonna jump into it i, I just realized what it was i think so okay. are you ready okay, so, so is there anything a, go ahead no, i was just gonna say that was a, a pretty big moment i wasn't expecting to read in this in these issues but again part of why it's so Great to finally get stories in between Empire and Jedi yeah. now. Okay, so is there anything else you that you want to talk about before we get into the big spoiler? No, I think I'm ready. Okay, so stop re- stop listening. Fast forward a bit for a while, whatever. Or better yet, just read the comics, man. Just go read the comics. Comics are good. Read more <laughs> comics, hashtag. Uh, no, uh, read the comics, but we're going to do a, a pretty big spoiler. And okay, so three, two, one. How in the hell is the Inquisitor, the Grand Inquisitor, back? How that's, is he back? That's what I like to know. <laughs> okay, all right. So let me. Re- I'm going. I'm. I'm. Tr- I'm legitimately just flustered of how this is working. Now, I also think it's kind of cool because at first, this is what I thought it was, Tim. Because I, I, I don't know about you, but I thought, oh, Force Vision. Okay, that's, that's easy. This is easy. That's the I, I first thought of the same thing or what happened in on Moraband with Yoda when he saw Darth Bane because it definitely had that same yep. vibe. Yeah, I, I thought I totally thought the same thing about the Moraband because he's on fire and the way he's talking and the way that it's kind of like the force testing Luke. That's the first thing that I thought of. Yeah. Now. That and that's a good theory. Honestly, because not and not just with Luke or um, Moraban with Yoda, but Kanan, right? That's the stuff I thought of too. Is when when Kanan mm-hmm. was fighting the Grand Inquisitor in the in the Jedi uh, training thing, and they're actually fighting with lightsabers. Yeah, and so I thought, oh, that's what that's what they're uh, that's what this is. But then the Grand Inquisitor and Darth Vader start talking. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> well, that's Vader what they got weird. <laughs> Yeah, well, because Vader set, like, basically set a trap. Like that's a like Vader knew that was a place to go to for for Jedi. That was yeah. that was a trap. And so when he goes there to get Luke, because he knows it, that Luke's there, he goes there, and then Luke's gone. And then the Inquisitor is still there on fire. And then he's like, "You failed me." And he's like, "Oh, you know, you know he, he, the Inquisitor." He, hold on, let me grab, grab the comic because. It this gets weird. This is where I'm like, hey, what's going on? Charles? He's basically being tormented here because he asked for release from this torment from Vader, 
And Vader just pretty much says, you know, you're your tool and you're going to serve me until I'm done with you. You are, and, you are, he said, you are a, but a tool shaped to serve my purposes. You will you continue. And, and yep. then he says, the lions at the very end of Rebels, there are worse things than death. And, okay, and I have, and this is where I'm excited because I, I need to go and read other people's interpretations of what's going on here. Because I have no, I have no idea what the hell's going on, except the fact that, again, that Jedi or the the Sith, the dark side, they will claim or they'll they'll surround themselves. Their essence can survive around objects, and that's something that was, um, I think, been kind of been brought up in the new canon a lot since I think Tarkin. They talked about the the Sith shrine underneath the Sith temple kind of corrupting things. And obviously uh, in Charles soul stuff that he introduces in both Lando and Darth Vader uh, about Lord Momin, Momin, whatever you want to call him, which again, if you ever know, don't know who that is. Go read those comics. They're great. You're not going to be disappointed in my opinion. And they introduced the idea of a personality in the essence of a character surrounding an object and corrupting that object. Now, just like obviously Emperor Palpatine, right? In Rise of Skywalker. Again, people want to complain, like, you know what? Like, this is something that's been introduced before, even the idea of the essence of the dark side of the physical realm, they stay around. And we get that in Lord Mammon. We got that in the Emperor Palpatine in Rise of Skywalker. And we have it right now with somehow, which I don't know how he's connected into some kind of physical object, but the Grand Inquisitor is still alive because of that. What does that mean? I know, and I'm always so, um, always so weary about Sith lords from ancient past or just even recent history, like the Inquisitors here. Well, he's not a Sith, but dark side users, I should say. Um, when you think they're dead, surviving somehow, because I'm just such a firm believer in what Lucas has always said: um, the Sith and those on the dark side, they're you know selfish. They want to stay in the physical realm. They can't manifest themselves after death so technically the inquisitor should still technically be alive here it's not like a force spirit um mm -hmm. who's here to fight whoever comes searching for these jedi artifacts here that vader's using so somehow some way he is still technically alive he has to be mm -hmm. and i did like what you were bringing out as far as having some connection to these physical objects and being surrounded by a lot of Jedi artifacts in this temple here. Maybe he's connected with it somehow, but the big question I have is the way he died is what makes this so, or seemingly dies, what makes this so mm -hmm. confusing and hard to accept for me because he went into, he fell into a big explosion on a Star Destroyer that did, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it blew up, right? The Star Destroyer yeah, at the end yeah, of the yeah, blew yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. So how the heck did somehow he, he, he survived that or in some way his essence survived into something that could keep his could keep himself in the physical realm. I don't know. It's just something that I'm really curious to know and find out the answers. And I hope we get it eventually because yeah. right now, this moment, while it is cool to see the Inquisitor here and have him fight Luke Skywalker in a lightsaber duel, it's not my favorite aspect of this comic just yet. Just because of the questions it raises and just how I don't want it to contradict certain things that we know about those who use the dark side and life after death and all that. I'm sure Charles. So, I mean, if anyone understands that 
it's going to be him. Like you said, he's done some great stuff with the Force and how to do that for Dark Side users to have them still be around when they should be dead when they're actually not, like you said, with Lord Mammon. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was used very effectively and it made sense and didn't contradict the whole thing about dark side users not be able to manifest themselves after death. So maybe this will be similar to that. Maybe he's come up with a clever new way that we just don't know about yet. But it seems to be somehow connected with the way he died because he's on fire throughout this whole <laughs> section of the comic. When he's fighting Luke, when he's talking to Darth Vader, he is just his body is there and it's covered in flames. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to go back to the, when we first see him, if how he shows up, because it's not like he appears as like a ghostly figure type, but the room is dark. And he just jumps out at Luke. So it seems like it, it's a physical body that he's fighting and not a spirit, um, mm-hmm. which, you know, you can. It's not definitive either way because of the flames. But and again, too, another I'm just looking at the panels right now. Luke chops his hand off and he's shows physical pain that he's Mm. experiencing through that so it looks to be a physical body but then when he's talking to vader he looks like he has his hand back so it's just weird (laughs) just Mm. you just don't know what to make of it just yet but definitely intriguing to say the least and definitely a surprise um i remember before this issue came out you got i saw some reactions saying oh this is going to be a must read for rebels fans and I wasn't expecting this. <laughs> definitely not to see the Grand Inquisitor. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it is definitely interesting. But until I know the exact reason why he is able to do this, I'm kind of reserving judgment to kind of like officially geek out about it and have it be a cool moment, just not knowing it. I don't, I'm just kind of scared of what the potential of contradicting some of the stuff we know about uh, the dark side. So we'll see. Yeah. And wrapping this up, we'll move to Vader here in a, Vader here in a second. But I, like we just said, Soul gets the Force, so I feel that there's going to be more explained of this whole thing soon. Mm-hmm. Because, like I said, there the dark side, especially Vader. Vader totally gets what's going on because he fought Lord Mammon, and this is something that he was trying to cheat death. So. Mm. You like he, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, sorry, I'll let you finish. But I just no, no, no. Came, you're go ahead. I'm scrolling through the pages again. I just came up with a new potential theory. Do maybe. it. Hit so, me. in on the pages where Luke's fighting him, you see the Jedi Temple Guard armor that the Inquisitor wore when he was a Jedi Temple Guard. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, maybe Vader put his actual armor there. There you go. To have it seem like it's an old ancient jedi temple guard from the high republic but actually it's the grand inquisitors and Mm -hmm. he put it there to have because that's the connection and the physical element that he needs to survive like mommen did and because that armor's there he's able to make his presence known Mm. um in front of that as well so maybe that and like i said vader having worked with lord mommen would maybe he gained this knowledge uh, maybe not for himself to do it but somehow was able to do it for the inquisitor or maybe it was some mm-hmm. like palpatine's design we don't know but i don't know just seeing his armor there maybe that is his connection to the physical realm that right uh, hasn't been fully released into death as he wants just yet due to the unnatural abilities of the dark side <laughs> yeah well yeah and think about this too again people will criticize jj and chris terrio for bringing back emperor palpatine and rise of skywalker but 
really, I mean, with if you think about this, if we're, we're saying makes sense, which we obviously is in, in the Star Wars universe, this is what happens. Charles Soule has done this multiple times, and this is something the story group has approved. And this is a, a as of right now, a legitimate thing that dark side people can do. But here's the ticket, though. It has to be trans. It has to be around an object. He can't. The, the dark side just can't go place to place to place. It gets stuck in one thing. Mm. So with Lord Mammon, it was a helmet. With if it's with obviously with the Inquisitor, and like you said, it was it was his armor, which I figured it was either, either his lightsaber. Like that's why I thought it might be his lightsaber itself. Maybe it still is. Luke has the the lightsaber as we know in the comic book here, um, which I don't See, think. Is the, much, go ahead. The only thing I don't think is his lightsaber. Because if he is connected to that, you think he wouldn't be able to manifest himself in the temple if that lightsaber is not there? Because we After, see him talking to Vader afterwards. That's true. Okay, there you go. So, so yeah, throw that out the window. But that's my point. My point still remains, though, is that the objects have to go with, go outside of that place. So wherever it goes, that essence will go too. The problem is, is that Vader, just like how you said, Tim, the armor's there, and he Invader left it there, and that's why when when uh, he says, "Well, let me rest," he's like, "No." So maybe the he has to destroy the armor to get rid of the essence of the the Inquisitor, and the reason the Inquisitor is able to embody himself is because it's a it's like a the, the temple is an old High, High Republic temple, and it's it's strong in the Force, mm-hmm. so that's why it's almost like these the dark side, like in the dark side cave on Dagobah. Maybe there's there's a Sith shrine. It's some kind of like Sith. It's it's covered in the dark side, but because it's it's strong in the Force naturally, the the essence of the dark side is able to survive there and and manifest itself in some way. That's where you get the dark side cave, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But with with the Inquisitor, is that you know it it brings him out because his essence is around that old armor. But he has the armor has to go somewhere else for him to go somewhere else too. But he's stuck there, so he can't go anywhere else. Yeah, that's kind of how I like to think about it for right now. Anyway, yeah. Well, because but the reason I bring that up is because if you're Emperor Palpatine, well, wherever his essence went to, obviously he designed it to go to where um, where he can get cloned. And that was designed. I mean, again, it wasn't explained in the movie because you're not going to explain that in a movie. I'm sorry. I don't I don't hate and don't blame them for not explaining that. But for us hardcore fans, they should have a story about, I think, Palpatine doing that because that would make a lot of sense, right? Because mm-hmm. if you already established that, that your essence would go wherever, like around an object, maybe Palpatine knew that, designed himself to go into that the whole clone mm-hmm. thing purposefully. And that's why he was able to survive and, you know, and go on for so long. So um, instead of like a Lord Mammon or a Inquisitor, their essence is stuck and they can't, they didn't know that could, that would happen. Palpatine knew that was going to happen and he planned on it. So I don't know. That's kind of my, uh, I, I like this idea, but I just wish it was explained a little bit more. In the yeah. comic book for the Inquisitor. As well. Yeah, same here. I totally agree. But at the same time, I do have confidence that we will get some type of explanation eventually. Yeah, agreed. Mm-hmm. agreed. All right. So moving on, which I mean, we spent a lot of time. No, got a good time, by the way, yeah. on Star Wars. Again, this is why. Last thing, last thing I'll say just real quick. Please, please. I got to be honest. When I first read these issues month to month, I enjoyed them, but it didn't kind of blow me away like Charles Soule stuff usually does, like Vader. Mm-hmm. Um, but rereading them today, yep. 
I just really enjoyed him a lot more reading him all the issues back to back to yep. back to back to yep. back. <laughs> yeah, it played I, out I, really, really nicely. I'm just gonna say, I think man, this is a whole different podcast. All right, anyway, <laughs> moving on, moving on. Yeah, I agree with you though, Tim. I I like the first two issues, but reading it all together was a lot of fun. It just felt like Star Wars. I mean, monthly feels like Star Wars, but it feels like I'm reading a comic. Like it's like the monthly format. It's like, oh, I'm reading a comic book. Whereas I felt like I was when I was read this this uh, graphic novel today, I really felt like I was just in Star Wars more than I was reading a comic. If that makes any sense. No, t- I totally get what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Because I was going like to be rereading it today. Too. Okay. At least you get it. Everyone else probably listening to this like, who the, what the hell is Paul talking about? He sucks as a host. And I'm like, yeah, I don't blame you. <laughs> but yeah. Anyway. Um. All right. Moving on. Darth Vader issues one through five. Now this is now Tim. I'm gonna let you take the lead on this. So one, I can eat my licorice, and two, <laughs> you can also because you this is your baby. Like yeah, and this is your you want you say the uh, I wouldn't say the best for last necessarily. That's that's I'm not even saying this is better or worse than the the Star Wars series, but this is what you want to talk about. I know this is what you really are excited to kind of dig into. So I'm gonna let you take it away while I munch on this licorice. But tell us everyone a little bit about the Darth Vader series. Yeah, so right away going into it, as we mentioned a few times already on this episode and previous episode, how much we love Charles Stowe's Darth Vader run. It's one of the best Star Wars stories you're going to get. And I feel required reading for diehard Star Wars fans. This is that good. So the fact that we got another Darth Vader series kind of, you know, had some big shoes to fill as far as coming right after Charles Stowe's legendary run here. And I got to say, man, it's picking up i don't know i would want to say right where it left off because it's got a long way to go as far as being as consistent as all what was it 25 issues of charles souls run somewhere in that line 25 um, so, issues yeah so it was consistent all the way through so we'll see if that the series makes it that long but man as far as the first uh, five issues of this arc and i know we're not going to go into the sixth issue but i have read that one and i say that one is really good as well but i freaking love this story just because of how different it is from Charles soul and the first volume of the Darth Vader comic, but the setting and the story that's taking place here, I wasn't expecting. And boy, do I love it because it's doing what I love best when it comes to star Wars and just the Skywalker saga as a whole, or even Darth Vader as a whole bridging the past to the present with Anakin and Vader and, the era of the prequels and i just really think greg pack does a phenomenal phenomenal job of showcasing the way he brings about scenes we knew from the prequels from anakin and how vader is reflecting on those times and what he's experiencing in this story because just the basic premise of the story i really like is it like you said takes place right after the empire strikes back and instead of vader immediately trying to find luke he's going after trying to find the people that made Luke in his mind so weak for not joining him to join the dark side and take down the emperor. And he tries to track down those who raised him so he can pretty much (laughs) vent his frustration and kill those who brought up Luke and made him the way he was. And I mean, how could this not be right up my alley where you have Darth Vader and Death Troopers kind of going on a scavenger hunt type uh, story, going to Tatooine, going to Coruscant, to Naboo. It's just incredible. There's a lot of stuff to geek out about. And again, I just really feel the brilliance of it is how it brings about the past, Anakin's past, and how he's reflecting on that and dealing with it as Darth Vader. Um, but there's some 
big moments and cool callbacks to the prequels here in this story that I thought played out really, really nicely in kind of this point in Vader's life as far as knowing that his family isn't completely gone anymore. So once he lost Padme and thinking he lost uh, the baby, that that part of Anakin was completely dead because I've always felt the moment Palpatine tells Vader in Revenge of the Sith that Padme is dead, Anakin Skywalker died with that with Padme there. It's all mm-hmm. Vader. And now this is Vader kind of coping with the idea of knowing that Luke Skywalker is out there and confronting his past, so to speak, as far as trying to get the answers to what it actually happened to Padme and how she died and obviously trying to find out who took Luke and who raised him. So all that stuff was just very, very fascinating to me just as a general story idea, but the events that happened uh, throughout the story, I just really loved. Again, blending the OT with the PT eras really seamlessly, in my opinion. And because especially when the prequels came out, I don't want to go on a tangent here, but how mm. a lot of people complain how it just doesn't feel like Star Wars. It's totally different. The look of things, the creatures, the uh, alien design, all that stuff, and how it doesn't feel like the original trilogy. I never bought into that, but I just think because uh, obviously it's a different time period. And but this comic series, I felt seeing Vader mixed in with a lot of prequel elements and pretty much all prequel pa- planets, it just it felt natural to me. It didn't feel out of place or anything like that. With seeing Vader amongst on Naboo with some creatures that we saw in the Phantom Menace, it just was really cool to see. So I just love that nice blend of the prequel trilogy and the OT. Uh, trilogy or the ot i should just say um coming together very nicely in the story from both a story standpoint and a visual standpoint so mm. all that stuff in and again don't want to go into too much spoilers here but the characters vader's meet meets here is um pretty interesting to see his reactions towards certain things and i just really liked how greg pat wrote vader in all those different situations that we found him in in the series mm. so yeah i loved it i wouldn't say it's quite on the level of charles soul just yet but if you were to have another <clears throat> Vader comic follow that, I think this is as good yeah. as it gets for being totally to telling a totally different story, but one that I think is still very meaningful for Vader. And I'm glad we're seeing this side of Vader and this journey he's taking on immediately following the Empire Strikes Back. Just as we're seeing Luke's journey after that big revelation, we're seeing how Vader's dealing with that as well. And I just love the contrast and that we're getting both of uh, their viewpoints of how they're dealing with this because obviously it's a major uh, point in the, both of their lives of uh, coming to this obviously Luke it's a revelation for him but Vader revealing that to Luke obviously was a big deal for him so it's just great to see how both of them are dealing with um, this pivotal moment in the Skywalker saga and I've said before how Luke re- or v- Vader revealing to Luke that he's his father is my favorite moment in the entire Star Wars saga as mm-hmm. maybe um, like I said before, kind of an easy answer when we're talking about favorite moments, but mm-hmm. I can't help it. It's just so special and meaningful and pivotal mm-hmm. to the grand scheme of things. That's why I love it so much. And the fact that we're kind of seeing the ramifications of that moment continue immediately after I'm just loving in both series, but in particular in the Darth Vader series. So yeah, I am really, really enjoying this story. Yeah, that you, you said it best. I, I think that First of all, I, I'm very familiar with with Greg Pak. He has written uh, the, the, some great comics in his day. 
He wrote the very, very, very good Planet Hulk uh, comic book that is very much heavily mined in the Thor uh, Ragnarok movie. Um, and it's something that I really wish we got an actual movie for because it would be that movie would have made a billion dollars. <laughs> Real um, quick, did you see, have you seen the animated movie of that? I own the animated movie. Cool. Cause so, yes. I really enjoyed that one. That one was really good. You know, here's my. I'm gonna get off on a real quick tangent. This is gonna take like this is me like one second though, and I think I told you this already. I have a harder time with animated films that just are straight adaptations of comic books. It's like fun. It's cool I, I know you're not the screen. only one who feels that way. So it's just it, it's it's fine. But I have the comic. You know <laughs> you know what I mean. So that's why I think the movies. I, I do appreciate the fact that Kevin Feige does kind of mix things up and kind of hodgepodges different things together. It's a li- it makes it a little bit more interesting. Don't get me wrong. I think there's a place for that, but yeah, I just, but I don't. I think it's solid. I, th- I think it's a solid uh, take on it, Tim. But I think the comic is is better. The comic, but the comic has a lot of continuity that's bringing into it as well. You know, so I mean, there's, but whatever. But Greg Pak uh, wrote something that, and he it wasn't. I don't think his idea to write the Planet Hulk. That was that was an editorial thing that they did, but he did a phenomenal job with it and did some great stuff. And he had a great run on the Hulk. For those who don't know, I'm a giant Hulk fan, especially right now without Ewing's Immortal Hulk, which is one of the best Marvel comics written maybe of all time. And when I say that it may not be as good as that, but it's pretty darn like good. It's saying a lot because before Al Ewing came on Immortal Hulk, I think the last good Hulk run was Greg Pak. And that's not, and so considering you had Peter David write the character for like 15 years or whatever it was, and pretty much as like the, 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 the grand scheme of things of Hulk is basically Stanley, Bill Mantlo, Peter David. And then after that, it's then Greg Pak because Greg Pak took Hulk and did some great things with them. And I, I loved what he did. And he also wrote, um, he I think he created Amadeus Chow, if I'm not mistaken, or at least made him what he is today because he did a Amadeus Chow and Hercules comic book and a lot of good stuff. I mean, great. My point is Greg Pak is a great comic book writer and has done some great things. And when he took over for Karen Gillan in the main Star Wars series, I thought it, it returned to form a little bit. I know that everyone loved the what Greg Pak did, but he also wrote the Age of Rebellion comics, I believe. And I thought those were pretty good, uh, to be honest. And I know some people had issues with those, but I thought they were pretty, pretty good. Um, so, but yeah, great pack. When I heard he was tapped to write the Darth Vader series after Charles Soule, I went, you know, Greg pack is a good, solid writer. And I think that if anyone can do a good job after a probably masterful run after Charles Soule, it, it, I think Greg pack could, Greg pack could deliver. I'm not, I don't think it'd be quite as good as Charles Soule, but I thought it, it could be, you know, a, a worthy follow-up. And I think that you nailed it, Tim, that you couldn't ask for a better follow-up for a all-time run like Charles Soule than to Greg Pak. Because Greg Pak knows how to write a great comic book. And I think that they weren't necessarily great, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. They're very, very good, though. They are not bad comic books by any any means of imagination. And I definitely recommend if you are a star Wars fan and you like Darth Vader a lot, then you owe it to yourself to pick up these issues because they are very, very good. What Greg pack do, does here is very much what Karen Gillan did. I think in their first 
uh, initially first six issues of his series. And it kind of keeps that tradition of taking the elements of the PT and using them to further the, the characterization of Darth Vader that we don't really get in the films. We get mm -hmm. that Darth Vader is a conflicted character, I think, by the end of Empire Strikes Back. But they expand on all of that within A New Hope from Karen Gillan's run. Uh, I think in Charles Soul run, you, you kind of... You kind of—I don't want to say he's as conflicted in the Charles Soul run because he's just—he's just starting to get evil, and he's start—he's just so bitter at that point. He's just—he's just all over the place. Um, now, I wouldn't say there was as much conflict. Does that? Would you agree to that, Tim? Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, it's Kim just kind of coming to terms with how his life's going to go. be now. Thank you. Yes, exactly. That's what I'm trying to say. He, as always, Tim's much better speaking than I am. Um, <laughs> I don't so, know if I go that far, but <laughs> well, no, but that, that, you nailed it. That's exactly. He's coming to terms with it, so he's he's not even conflicted. He's just he's like I said, he's just he's just coming to the idea of what he's he has become, and there's not really a conflict there because he's just kind of whatever. But with a new hope and then you have empire he's kind of been vader a while he's kind of uh, there's there's some cracks in the armor if you will and they get more wide open as the series goes and so with that said it you greg pack goes and takes that pt element and really ramps it up karen gillen touched on it whereas greg pack really ramps it up and makes it the focal point of his initial run. Now I have not read past issue five, but I can tell you the first five issues, he does a phenomenal job. I think, um, of really incorporating those PT elements and making them count. And, and this is not really a spoiler, but I, I think giving it some closure. No. Yeah, totally. Uh, -huh. yeah. So, so I, I think that, and with that being said, that's saying a lot. And and for someone who like me, who is a PT fan, and now I know that the, the the PT has become more more beloved in the last, I'd say, what four or five years, especially. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm not someone who's is always. I've I had to come to terms with the PT, but I've grown to love it thanks to the Clone Wars. But I really have grown to love the the PT, but. I would say the Phantom Menace is, as I've said before in our ranking episodes, Phantom Menace is one of those films that I have really grown to love way more. Um, the last, I'd say six, eight years. And I really, there's a lot of heavy Phantom Menace stuff in this, uh, these five issues. And, uh, I mean the whole PT, right. But especially the, uh, Phantom Menace, you'll get what I'm saying when you read this comics, but, um, just kind of getting all those vibes and really, and, and not just doing it because like you want to just slay it. Like it wasn't like he was trying to set it up to where he wanted to like, just just say like, yeah, no, it doesn't matter anymore. Cause it's all about the OT. No, 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 he oh, really, no way. Yeah. No, he really embraces that aspect of it. And really, I think gives it some, a lot of merit to be quite honest. And which again, saying a lot because you don't have to do that. You could have gone a completely different direction. Uh, we talked about in the Charles Soul comics that there's a very natural way to go with those characters in the Star Wars series. With Darth Vader, you know, the natural way is to be like, I'm going to hunt for Luke Skywalker. I'm going to go everywhere I can to find him, blah, blah, blah. And that's not what he does here. He goes a, a lot more personal. 
And I think that's a really, really interesting uh, way to do it. And it's not the obvious way. Would you agree to that? Oh, heck yeah. I mean, every issue I kept going, man, didn't see this coming. Or man, I can't believe they're doing this. <laughs> so like I said, not obvious, but made total sense and just a different direction for the character to go to mm-hmm. in this uh, quest, I guess, <laughs> to try to exercise. Uh, see, uh, like as I said before, Luke and Vader kind of dealing with this whole thing in their own way and just seeing Vader deal with it the way he did in these first five issues, I did not see coming. But yet, uh, as I said earlier, I love to death and just made all the sense in the world to me that this is what he would be doing. And probably for the first time in a long time, um, facing his demons of the past and stuff, he'd mm-hmm. try to forget yeah. about and leave dead with Anakin Skywalker in his mind. And just to seeing him go through that here and, kind of play that up as far as Anakin being mm. <laughs> dead um, with some of the interactions he had with characters was just great to read uh, to read Vader say <laughs> some of the things he said and interact with some of the people he interacted with it was just stuff again I wasn't expecting in this series but I had a heck of a time reading it yeah I there's, there is a lot of surprises in this oh sorry Mike. there's a lot of surprises in this series and I really got to say that there's there's so many of them that it really it, with the Star Wars Soul series, it there's a couple major ones that are easy to kind of go around. And I feel like with Darth Vader, it's like, oh, man, it's a lot harder because there's so many little things that are a lot of fun surprises. Yeah. But we don't have but the nice thing is we can kind of talk around those a lot easier, mm-hmm. I think. Too, yeah, because right? they're not like game changer surprises. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're ones that are still meaningful to the story and to yeah. Vader's past. So if you're a huge pt fan you and you have not read these comics you really need to read these comics because i think they're they're gonna make you very happy at at least from a standpoint of giving your a lot of reverence to those films and the stories and the characters from those films yeah definitely made me happy reading (laughs) yeah 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 and again tim's a big pt fan i'm a big pt fan and you know there's like i said great pack does a great job of getting the the feel i think of those characters and where they are at this point in their lives so yeah i I gotta say i was really impressed with greg i mean greg pack has always impressed me i've always been very happy he's not and kind of going again going inside baseball i think sorry my dog's just he she loves doing this drinking a lot of water and then gagging right afterwards (laughs) um sorry everybody uh but no there greg pack just has done a great job of he knows how to structure a 22 page solo comic book and he, he packs a lot in and not just packs a lot in from a from an action standpoint, which we get plenty of great action in this. Oh yes, <laughs> but lots of great moments and cliffhangers, and just not just cliffhangers at the end of the issue, but end of the pages. He sets up every page to the next beautifully, and I think that's that's not easy to do. And he does it very flawlessly, or or not flawlessly, excuse me, uh, very seamlessly. Where you're like, man, like you don't really. I mean, even Charles Soule doesn't do that i think as as effortless, effortlessly as as greg does yeah uh, go ahead sir no i was just gonna say just how i agree with everything you just said there about this issue this whole story and just how like i like how you brought out it's not just cliffhangers at the end of the issue but throughout an issue you'd get several like cliffhanger and surprises and reveals just throughout and it just makes you excited to turn every page or mm-hmm. touch the screen every panel yep. and just excited to find out what happens next so it just really uh leaves you 
just wanting more, really. Just can't wait to right. find out what happens next. And, and, and again, go, I'm sorry, Tim. Go ahead. No, you can go ahead. Uh, well, I was going to say something like one last thing about the series oh, that you haven't yeah, read yeah. yet. So well, I don't want to spoil yeah, yeah, yeah. Go on it too much. But so we'll we'll get the nitpicks here. We'll call them nitpicks right now because I think we both it's it's evident that we both like the series a lot. So there's not really a lot I dislike about it. But we'll get the nitpicks like the last series, and then we'll kind of talk about some of the major things we really liked about it. And then we'll kind of wrap up. But uh, just kind of again inside baseball kind of idea. The when I say page turner obviously that's that's always the the what's the word the 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 goal right that's always the that's the obvious thing the the difference is is that with with novels you don't design your page to literally at least again i'm not being prose guy so bear with me here but you don't necessarily design your page to end on the end of the page, right? You kind of beholden to whatever format the the page is put on. So you can't really do a page turner that, that's designed to turn the next page, literally. Whereas comic books, that is the case. You are designing you you're designing the story to flow a certain way to turn and reveal things on the next page. And again, there's a there's a very much a art to that, and that's something that comic book writers do usually not always get and that is a very lost art and i think in the comic book uh writing world and a lot of it depends on the artists and and the, and the creative teams and, and working together and all that stuff but greg pack reading him as much as i have and reading these dark especially these darth vader comic books i can tell you that that is something that he specializes in and i can I really was impressed with how, as I read read these comics today, I read the first two issues back in the day before pandemic at the coffee shop, and then today digitally. Um, but I got to say, reading those comics today, Tim, I was really impressed. I, I again, they're literal page turners. Like as I, he would literally set up a reveal. I'm like, oh crap, here it comes, and I, I'd swipe and then go, oh man, you know. So there's lots of those moments in these comic books, and. Yeah, it might be a little bit more heavy or forced, if you will. Again, no pun intended to to do that and to set it up that way. But again, I think when you read these comics, you don't see, you don't feel that. I don't think at all, in my opinion, anyway. And I think that it's very natural. And Greg just does a great job of setting that up. So I, I gotta say, Greg Pak, great, great comic book writer, just gets the the medium so so well. And those literal page turners are are they are literal page turners in this, and they are great. You cannot wait to swipe or hit the next page or whatever um, you want to re- how you want to read it. But it does a great job. And um, also, really quickly, this kind of will go into my more, more positive things. But uh, Raphael, I think Ian is, I think is his name, um, the, the artist. Uh, phenomenal work. Uh, yeah. On this, I would say this is even better than the last the Jesus um, Sinus guy. I think his name uh, again. I'm probably butchering these people's names, but um, Rock or uh, Raphael um, uh, Inso Inco. I'll say Inco. Raphael Inco uh, work is really really detailed, and you get to see the there's really really detailed expressions in these people's faces. I think that are heck even they, Vader. <laughs> yeah. See, that was going to go with next. Uh, if you are a longtime comic book reader, uh, then you will know the name uh, Al Williamson. And Al Williamson uh, drew a lot of the, the Sunday stripped uh, Star Wars comic books. He also drew the Empire Strikes Back adaptation. He's an inker. Um, he's the one that designed those walkers from that you see in Rebels. Uh, he's a phenomenal comic book artist. He's a legend. 
he's an icon in my opinion. He's he's a, he's been he was a, he's an early comic book artist. He's a, he's an all time great. The detail that he would do on Darth Vader was unreal. Like that guy is maybe one of the best Vader artists ever. He was unreal. And there's a couple moments that I felt like there was a lot of Al Williamson uh, or Al, is it Al Williamson? Al Williamson. I'm, I'm butchering his name. I'm so terrible with names. Um, I believe it's Al Williamson, but, but anyway, either way, uh, he's he's great. And I saw a lot of that Vader in this series. Um, not all the time, but some of the detail that he would he would draw that he would get. And so, yeah, I, I really liked uh, this, this artist a lot. I thought he drew on a phenomenal Vader. I completely agree. Yeah. And heck, he's drawing like my dream come true images, Vader and Death Troopers in battles. I mean, <laughs> how can I not possibly geek out about that? It just looked amazing too. the coolest looking Star Wars helmeted designs you're ever going to see on the page at the same time in battle on some classic prequel locations. It was just amazing for me to yeah. see this great art. I absolutely loved it. Yeah, I completely agree with you. All right. So it is Al Williamson. I knew I was getting, I was like, man, it's, not, it's Al Williamson. I'm pretty sure. I, I don't think I said Al Williams too much. So I knew it was Al William, Williamson, but I got freak, freaked myself out. So anyway, uh, real quick nitpicks. Is there any nitpicks you want to, you want to bring up? Honestly, I really don't have really? Wow. I, when you said about thinking about some nitpicks, I kind of really had to think about it. There are some I, I don't mind them, but one thing that I don't know, maybe certain battle scenarios that Vader found himself in maybe could have been a little too over the top slash extreme. But mm. at the same time, I bought into it just thinking of that. Vader would be able to do what he did here. We're just not used to seeing a lot of the stuff that he did in some of the battles <laughs> that went down with mm -hmm. um, some creatures. Yeah. So, I know. I know what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And the only other thing, and this is, this is real nitpicky. Um, <laughs> the characters that are in the story and that again, without spoiling it and kind of this faction or group that they have. I know exactly name, what you're going with this one. And the name they create for themselves. Yeah. Yep, a little yep. corny, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's probably okay. So, truth be told. I think we have the same exact nitpicks again. Like <laughs> those are pretty much, I had to think about it too. I'm like, oh, where are some really bad parts of this comic book? Um, yeah, I think, I think the name they came up with themselves is pretty bad. I'm not going to lie, but at the same time, you're you're trying to add to the fact that why these people are there in the first place and yeah and yeah because I, I think the one thing I'll add to that name is kind of it's kind of the same vein a little bit is that why would they really be there for that one reason they devote their whole lives to that one ideal person See, I I totally bought into it I okay. really believe they would have. I, I I did, and I it wasn't like I was like this is ridiculous. I wasn't like that, but it was a little bit. Would they really be like this? I don't know. But at the same time, I bought into it because, again, I I I buy into it because it, it, one, it's the main story. But I mean, also looking at how important what that person did for the care for the for all three films, it makes sense. So I mean, at least it makes sense because they are they are really important for setting up, setting up the Rebel Alliance and all that stuff. Yeah. So I, I guess, because I guess you're right, because in episode two, they talk about that, and I don't want to, I'm probably giving it away a little bit, but I'll just say this. In episode two, they kind of explain, um, Anakin kind of brings up why that person might be important, 
like or he brings up why like oh didn't they do this blah 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 or try to yeah. do this? yeah I'm like oh yeah it makes a lot more sense okay now I think about that you're right it is a little makes a little more sense but the name they come up for themselves is pretty bad not gonna lie so Greg could have worked on the name a little bit but I get what you're trying to go but they for. really didn't even need a name really they did <laughs> it was they really did. before they yeah. said that to be honest let's be real that's a very comic book thing they did that that is true yeah but, which makes it kind of awesome too at the same time. <laughs> I love it because it's like embracing how ridiculous comics can be sometimes and you can just do whatever you want. I love it. Um, And how Vader took out some different things, I would agree, are a little ridiculous. And really quickly, uh, let's get into things we loved. Um, We've already kind of gone a lot of those. Some other things we haven't mentioned yet, I will say, obviously the writing and the art we both agreed, I think, is great. Um, So... Uh, in Death Troopers, yes, I know Tim are great. Yes, they are. They are really drawn well by Raphael in this. By the way, they are really, really good. Um, great work. The art he really does a great job drawing them. I mean, he should do a whole series of Death Troopers, like a one shot. How cool would that be? Oh man, forget a one shot. Let's get an ongoing man. <laughs> uh, uh, let's be realistic here, man. You couldn't do a whole ongoing of Death Troopers for you, yes, but not for. A massive audience. Come on. Can you imagine an ongoing and with their dialogue of just that gibberish transmissions? <laughs> we'd have to either have like one of those things where it's like translated from blah blah blah, like <laughs> balloon or whatever, and then you'd or you have to have like a, a translator droid all the time. Like with a good segue well, to my favorite character, maybe or a great character in this yes. comic is Zed. Mm-hmm. I love Zed. Which again, I didn't mean to cut you off there. I, I do want to continue with something. Sorry. No, I was just. It was just a, a thumbs up to add with the Death Trooper. It was not important, but I just completely agree. That was going to be my other positive that we haven't brought up yet was that Droid Zed and just yes. his his dialogue and his comedy, his comedic timing, even <laughs> and mm-hmm. some of the stuff he would say and kind of his. Uh, this will be going to spoilers, so I won't say it, but just um, the in the later issues was him and Vader at a big pivotal moment. And just the thing he said, which sets Vader off. I was like, Oh man, <laughs> um, it was just great. He had some great interactions, not just Vader, but the other characters, even the death troopers he was talking to. <laughs> like, yeah. saying, Hey, if you want to know, you might as well just ask Vader or something like, <laughs> like yeah, that. Was, he was a great character. Probably the best because the star Wars comics have introduced um, some new droids. Some haven't been my favorite, but some have been pretty good, but this one I think is easily the best. I love this oh, droid yeah. character. Well, droids also based off of, I want to say, isn't it based off one of the Clone Wars droids? I keep thinking it's a Clone Wars droid. Um, the one that was on the, the fives arc. I always yeah, think it's that like, one. His head design totally looks like that, but he has a full body though, where the droid in that arc, he was just kind of had a small body and would float around. That's right. Okay. Yeah, and the and the droid from the Fives arc has more like eyeballs, doesn't he? That I'm not sure on. I forgot. It's been a while since I watched yeah. the Fives arc. I gotta watch that again. Can we just watch that arc for the show, like for the for the like, ask <laughs> hey, Kyle? We sh- yeah, we should do a com- commentary on that one. Oh, well, we should. Oh, okay. Um, put, put that on the back burner for a minute. Uh, yeah, Zed was great, and you know, obviously. Zed is a storytelling device, right? Like it's not real. Like, and this is where I think it kind of adds to like how good of a character he is, is that it's obvious and it still doesn't matter. It was still awesome. He was a great character. Yep. And again, I want to say when I, when I make comments like that, 
that is by no means a detriment usually. So it can be sometimes, but really it really is like a compliment to Greg Pack creating a great character and be able to further the plot forward and, and explain things to the, the, to the audience and have it be in an entertaining way and have a very substantial way. Like I, there are moments where I'm like, Oh man, Zed's going to get freaking chopped off here. Here it comes. And it doesn't happen. I'm like, Oh, it didn't happen this time. Okay. So, uh, yeah, Zed was a great character and, Man, oh, yeah, I'll leave it at that. He's great. He is a great character. I hope, I hope he sticks around. Agreed. Yeah, Somehow. I want. Yeah, I want to see more of him. <laughs> for sure. I, I think we will. I don't think he's. I don't think he's gone. We'll just say that. I don't think he's gone for good. We'll leave it at that. But uh, yeah, Zed's a great character. So yeah, this was a man. This is a fun episode. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, we, I've yeah. said before, I've been dying to talk about, in particular, this Darth Vader series. This for the reasons we've discussed here. And yeah. the last thing I'll say about it is that I have read issue number six and it just continues on with the great story. Oh, okay. And it's pretty brutal. I'll just say that. Dang it. Okay. Okay. Cause I, I'm debating, I've got issues, uh, seven and eight or six and seven. That See, I didn't even realize yeah. seven was out. I got to read that one. Now Cause I just found out oh, it was really? out today. <laughs> okay. 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 So and I, after you read six, you're going to want to read seven right away. <laughs> and here's the other cool thing that has me excited about this series because they were been hinting out a few months ago was in an interview. It might've been, was it Greg Pak or was it the artist? But they're saying how there's going to be some pretty big ties to the rise of Skywalker oh, no in the series. And I think that is, you're beginning to see a little bit of that in issue six. For sure. <laughs> Seriously? Oh, yeah. Man, I'll, I'll have to read it this tonight then. Okay, I'm, I'm going to read these next two issues. I wanted to wait because, again, we, we talked about how it's been nice to read these issues all at once and, and not feel like a monthly comic book, but actually feel like we're, we're in just ingesting, you know, digesting Star Wars, right? So, mm. uh, again, I love the monthly format. And this is by no means, but for whatever reason, it's just, it's just nice to read it all at once. And I don't want to trade weight for Star Wars necessarily, but... I, I kind of liked it and I thought I was going to do that, but now you just convinced me because as for those who don't know or may know, I love Rise of Skywalker a lot. So I am the fact that you just told me that Pretty makes both, me, yeah. <laughs> I know I wish I, I'm so grateful you love that movie, by the way, I, I always tell you that, but I got to tell you publicly and everyone can hear it and get annoyed because the people who don't like it, I love <laughs> the fact that Tim loves that movie like me. It's not just me. Kyle hates it, but whatever. <laughs> that's why i'm thankful you love it too <laughs> yeah exactly yeah yeah someone's got you know cow cow has enough hate to last a fill up a space cruiser um but, uh, but uh, about the same time i'll be on kyle's side about loving the last jedi too so <laughs> everything just balances out <laughs> there's the things i like about the last Jedi. um so but this has been great man there's so if you're wondering if is this if this is going to be this a once and every once in a while thing We'll see. Uh, I would love to talk comics every month. So maybe I can convince um, Tim to do a, a comic show with me one way or another. Um, you know, I think we probably figure something out. I would, I would love to do something once a month. And hopefully we can get Kyle in on this too. You know, we'll probably wait for obviously the, the current comics to kind of get caught up and then we'll do a review. But so we might do some retrospective stuff um, that's on, on Unlimited. Because there's a, there's a lot of comics that I've read that I'd love for Tim to read and and go over and Kyle obviously too. Maybe we'll have some special guests, you know, whatever. And I'm sure there's some stuff that Tim's read that he'll want me to read and or whatever. So, you know, I, we're definitely going to do some more like stuff with just comic specific things for the show because 
me and Tim love comics and we have a Star Wars podcast and I love Star Wars. So it just makes sense. And yeah. uh, maybe we'll do like a, a, a fun crossover issue with Chris and, and with binge, you know, the binge comp, the binge podcast, you know, comic binge podcast. So you never know. We'll, we'll do some fun stuff in the future, but yeah, we'll, we'll definitely be, we'll definitely be here and there, you know, maybe do once a month and just kind of be kind of different, you know, spice things up a little bit in the show. Obviously we're going to save it all the, anything else for, for Kyle as long as he can make it and, and doesn't, you know, whatever make us go without him. But, uh, but yeah, comic stuff will probably be me, Tim and, or, and maybe every once in a while, I guess, and maybe we can drag Kyle into this and make him read something for once. Um, <laughs> that's the goal, <laughs> but he did, he did read Darth Vader. He did. Re- he did read Darth Vader. So, uh, so anyway, Tim, since I'm so not used to hosting, why don't you, uh, do your, your preliminary, uh, and, and stuff here. Yeah, so as always, um, if you want to join in the discussion on the comics we talked about after you've read them, of course, and want to geek out about them like we did, you can share your thoughts with us on Twitter at Star Wars TSC or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Star Wars The Saga Continues. Or you can send us an email at Star Wars TSC at gmail.com. And you can check out our website at Star Wars TSC.com. And don't forget to check out thunderquack.com where you can find our podcast and all the other great podcasts on the Thunderquack podcast network as well. So as always, um, thanks guys for listening to this uh, different episode and hearing me and Paul geek out about some of the current Star Wars comics. It was a lot of fun. So um, until next time, uh, may the force be with you. Godspeed, Rebels. <laughs>